Matthew chapter 7, we're just going to look at two verses this morning, uh, just 13 and 14, if you have your Bibles there. Uh, Jesus is speaking, he says, listen, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, okay? Hear that again, I want you to make sure you get it. He says, wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Only a few find it. I've got four things I want to share with this, you this morning. Uh, the early service, we had a, we had a good, good group of people in the early service, and uh, they were pretty excited because we actually got out on time, which has really never happened before for the early service. Uh, and I told them, when your pastor is sick all week, you get a shorter sermon. So we'll see if that sticks true here. Uh, in the second service, but just four things I want to share with you this morning. The first thing I want you to see, guys, is this. The gate or the road that leads to destruction is so wide that we don't have to leave anything behind. It's it's so wide, we, we don't even have to leave anything behind. And, and I want you to get the imagery here, friends. There are there are two paths, right? And and, and one, Jesus says, is narrow. He, he, he says it's difficult. It says those that, that, that travel on the narrow path, they often feel hard-pressed. That's the imagery of, of the words there in the Greek. It, it, to, to make it down the narrow path, guys, it, it takes commitment. It, it takes strength and it takes a lot of help, right? And, and I, want you to, I, want you to, I want you to envision it. How, how many people are, are visionary people? Do you, do, you, do you see things when you read? Anybody? Is it just me? Do you like to see things? Well, I don't know if you like to see. I, this morning, I want you to see things. So you're going to take a little trip with me back into my childhood, all right? So my grandparents, when I was, I don't know, sixth grade or so, decided to pack up and retire and move from Lake City, Texas to Canyon Lake, Texas. Anybody been to Canyon Lake? Canyon Lake, gorgeous. Now, it needs a little rain, but it's still gorgeous. And they built this big house up on a hill with a huge deck that wrapped all the way around it, and in the back, and it's all up on stilts, and and when you walked out their their back doors, had French doors, when you walked out those doors, you could just see the lake right out there before you. It It was gorgeous, right? Beautiful. Only one problem. As a kid, were you content just seeing the lake? No. You had to be in the lake, right? And so we whined and we cried. And, and my uncle went down walking. He goes, oh, I found a path. We're all going to go. And he said, everybody get your stuff. We're going to go get in the lake, right? Well, what he found were deer trails. Anybody know what a deer trail is? Okay. Um, being born and raised, Friendswood, Texas, South Houston, between Houston and Galveston, uh, not a lot of deer, all right? Had not been on a deer trail. I was thinking something luxurious, I was thinking something with steps, and so we go and we grab all our stuff like we're going down to the lake, and, and, and we pack it up. Man, we get an ice chest. My grandmother, she has to put life jackets on us while we're walking down the trail, right? In case I tumble into the water, I'll be safe. So life, imagine, right, life jacket around my neck, one hand on an ice chest, carrying an inflated inner tube, walking down deer trails. Now, I don't know if you've recognized this before, but there's some differences between deers and humans, right? Right? So deer are about yay tall, right? And humans, a little taller. So these trails were great if you were three and a half feet tall. 
But for the rest of us, you're getting hit in the face with cedar branches and smacked and scraped and scratched. And and not to mention, you're actually walking down. I thought at the time I was a little younger, I thought it was a mountain. It was just a hill. And so you're walking downhill. It's pretty, pretty good. And and you're kind of leaning back, doing the backwards thing. And you're walking down and and you're carrying an ice chest. And uh, we did that about twice before we realized that you needed to get to the bottom before you inflated your rafts, right? And you want to know why? Because we popped about three of them. Now, why did that happen? Friends, that happened because you can't carry all that baggage down a narrow trail. You just can't do it. It's impossible. You can't carry all that baggage down a narrow, winding trail that is pressing in upon you. You can't do it. Jesus says there's another trail. And friends, that trail's not narrow, and it's not winding, and it's not difficult. It's wide open, baby, and it's manicured. It's like a well-manicured freeway. And on that trail, you can pack whatever you want. There's no bag limit there, right? On on, on the wide road, listen, brother, you can take all of your sin and you can carry with you all of your shame. You can carry along all your self-righteousness. You can carry along all of your hate and all of your anger and all of your frustration and all of your guilt and all of your fear and all of your worry. Doesn't matter on that road. There's plenty of room for every baggage, every bag that you want to carry. There's no bag limit. Jesus says, that's, 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 that's the other option. There's this wide road where you can carry whatever you want, but in the end, it leads to destruction. So you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I feel overcommitted, overloaded, overburdened. Well, you can carry all that burden and all that other stuff on that wide load, but you can't carry it on the small path. You just can't. And so here's what I want to do. I want to do something with you this morning. I I want you to think about, I want you to think about this wide freeway. All right? Because we've talked about the narrow. Now think about this wide freeway where there is no bag limit, where you can, you can literally carry everything that you want to. It doesn't require anything of you. That's, that's the wide path. And now I want to place that wide path up against scripture. I want you to tell me what you think. Which one is of Jesus? Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Right? That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound very wide to me. That doesn't sound like you can pack whatever you want to to me. He says, if anyone would come after me, Matthew 16, 24, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. I want you to think about this wide path that doesn't require anything of of us. I want you to think about this wide path that we can take anything along. And I want you to set it up against this scripture. Jesus says, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And and Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. I want you to think about this, this wide freeway where you can do whatever you want to and it doesn't require any change in you and you, you can just keep doing life. I want you to think about that wide kind of freeway and then I want you to think about the conversation that Jesus has with Peter and with Matthew, right? It's the same conversation, essentially. 
He walks up to both these men and he says, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Now, what does that entail? By the way, that entails something. When Jesus says come, he, he means leave, right? You can't follow him if you're not willing to leave yourself. That's kind of the, the whole uh, invitation process. He says, come and follow me. He said, Matthew, leave your life. Leave your tax collecting ways and follow me, right? He says, Peter, leave your fishing of fish and come with me and we'll fish men. Leave you, follow me. That's the invitation. Doesn't sound like you can carry all your bags, does it? You can't. You can't. So when we talk about two paths, because you're going to need to know what the two paths look like this morning. We talk about the two paths. The first thing you need to know is that first path, that wide path, that gate, that road that leads to destruction. It's so wide, you don't have to leave anything behind. Friends, if you don't have to leave anything behind, I'm going to tell you, you're probably on the wrong path. Okay? Because Jesus' invitation is not add me. Jesus' invitation isn't uh, come and make me a part of your life. Jesus' invitation wasn't like, hey, hey, do you have any room? Is there a little compartment in your busy life that I can squeeze into? It's okay. I mean, I'm Lord and King and Creator of all, but I'm fine with this little minute compartment. It's not how Jesus works. Jesus says, listen, I've got something so much better for you. So much greater than you could ever imagine. But if you want it, you've got to leave you and you've got to follow me. That wide road, that wide gate, it doesn't it doesn't require that. It just doesn't. All right. Number two. I want you to see this morning that the gate or the road that leads to destruction is wide because the wicked love company. Man, the wicked love... you got to have a wide road when you're headed to destruction. you just got to because wicked people love company. You've heard misery loves company. The only thing that loves company more is the wicked. I'm here to tell you. Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to get some wisdom this morning from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1. Uh, I want to read this to you. and I'm just going to read verse 10 through 19 of Proverbs chapter 1. says, my son, if sinners entice you, don't give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie and wait for someone's blood. Let's, let's waylay some harmless soul. Let's swallow them alive like the grave and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We will get all sorts of valuable things and will fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot with us and we will share a common purse. My son, don't go along with them. Don't set foot on their Get this, don't set foot on their paths. See, they're talking about paths. For their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed blood. How useless to spread a net in full view of all the birds. These men lie in wait for their own blood. They waylay only themselves. Such is the end of all who go after ill-gotten gain. It takes away the lives of those who get it. My teens are kind of spread out today. But I'll speak to them anyway. Please hear me especially. Sinners never like to sin alone. Ever. Sinners never like to sin alone. They always want company. They always want company. They, there are going to be people in your life and we're in my life. Some of the greatest mistakes I ever made was because some idiot said to this idiot, Hey, come here, let's do this together. 
What was the problem? The problem was they knew what they were doing was wrong. They didn't want to do it by themselves. They wanted somebody to do it with them. Adults, we need to heed that same warning. Because you know what? The gossip's got to have somebody to gossip to. Right? The drunk's got to have somebody to drink with. Right? That's how, how that's going to work. We, 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 the, 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 the liar never wants to be the only one bending the truth. Come on, everybody does it. It's just your taxes. The wicked never like to walk alone. Their mantra is, is easy. It's everyone does it. They, they, they shout, come with us. And where does that party lead? Where does it end? Now, here, here's, the, here's the misnomer in the church. We think that wicked people don't get it. We think that sinners, we, we, we think, we, we read the Bible and we're like, well, we're, we're the righteous ones, we're going to be rewarded. Well, we are, but that doesn't mean that the reward always comes here. And so we don't understand why wicked people get, why, why do good things happen to bad people? We always ask, why do bad things happen to good people? We ask the same thing on the other foot, right? Well, why do all these good things happen to these bad folks? Well, because they're evil and vile and they're, they're making it happen, right? They're crooks and swindlers, right? If you're a dishonest businessman and you cheat people out of money, you'll have a lot of money. You'll build a bigger house, right? I mean, if, if you don't care about spending time with your kids or your wife and you work 152 hours a week, you'll have more money than the person that works just 50 hours a week. It's going to happen. We have convinced ourselves that these people shouldn't have anything or they don't. That's not how it works. Read this with me. It's a little interesting. Verse 19. You know what these people get, these wicked people? Get, get this, verse 19. The very last thing. It says, who get it? It, it, it? Those who get it, they get it. They get what? They get the stuff they're pursuing. They get the treasures. They get the pleasure. They get all that stuff. They get it. But I want you to see what it cost them. See, read that in context. It says... It takes away the lives of those who get it. They get the stuff, but they lose their soul. And Christian, please hear me. This message is for you. When you stand on the narrow, difficult path to life, and it begins to press in on you, And you begin to stare off in the distance at the freeway of folks that seem to have it so easy. Don't you for a second covet what they have. Because it comes at a great price. It comes at a great price. That's what we have to keep in in mind, right? It comes at a great price. It costs them their soul. Christian, don't covet what costs the soul, please. Please, please, please. The the gator road that leads to destruction is so wide because the wicked love company. Two more things and we're done. Number three. As we study this text in Matthew chapter 7 this morning, I want you to know that there's only one path that leads to eternal life. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. That word small in the Greek, it means narrow or straight. Word narrow in the Greek, it means pressed hard upon. It talks about contraction or constriction. It talks about trouble. Now, why is it important that we, we, we know these descriptors of this road? 
Well, it's important that you know the descriptors of the road because we live in a world that said there are many roads, right? We live in this world that they said there are many paths. So why should I have to study my Bible and know what the path looks like? Why do I need to know that the path is straight and the path is narrow and the path is difficult and the path is constricting and the path is full of troubles? Because I live in a world that said there are many paths, right? I mean, let, let's just walk through it. The Buddhists, uh, they, they believe in the path to enlightenment. By the way, theirs is a freeway. It's an eightfold path, right? Okay, you've got the Hindus. They've just got a three-lane highway. And, and, and the Hindus believe it's kind of a choose-your-own-adventure, by the way, if you're Hindu. You can either be saved through your works, you can be saved through, through special knowledge, or you can be saved through your absolute perfect devotion. Choose your own lane, Islam, it's Allah and Muhammad. But Jesus says there's only one path that leads to life, and that path is narrow. That means that we've got to turn off Oprah and start listening to Jesus. Because he says there's just one way. He says there's not a lot of ways. He says there's not, I, I'm, not some, I'm not some bicycle wheel where I'm in the middle and no matter what you want to do in life, you magically end up in me. That's not what this text says. This text says, in fact, the truth of the matter is many will spend their life spinning around that wheel. Many will be on a path that they think is right. But in the end, there's only one path that's right. And that one path leads to one gate. There's only one entrance to eternal life. There's only one way. And guys, that's a big deal. It relates to the question that we get the most here. That question, Pastor, how do I know if I'm really a Christian? I'll give you one way to know. Ready? What path are you on? You want to know if you're a Christian, just check your surroundings. Are you surrounded by the same people? Are you carrying all the same baggage, doubts and fears and worry and shame? Are, are you still walking around with all of your pride and all of your self-righteousness? Are you still walking around with all that lust and all that covetousness? I mean, is that is that what you're packing? Because <laughs> if you're still carrying all the same stuff and you're still surrounded by the same people, here's what I'm saying, listen, alright? Many people are going to hear the gospel. Many people will hear the gospel, but only a few are going to enter into the gospel. And see, when you receive the gospel, it's, it's way different than hearing it. See, there are many people in the world today, I think with our whole sinner's prayer theology we've gotten to in church, we just say this magic prayer and everything will be fine. And, and we just, like, so I'm walking down the road, I understand that, oh my gosh, yeah, I hear the gospel and it makes me cry. And so I weep and I had a magical weepy moment. Well, guess what, friends? If you had a weepy moment and your surroundings didn't change, then you're still on the wrong path. Because when you meet Jesus, it's more than hearing the gospel. When you receive the gospel, it changes your course in life. You find yourself on a new path and it is a difficult path and it's not an easy path and it is a narrow path. You see, there was a time that you wanted to run around and do everything, that you wanted to pursue every desire that you had. That's what the wide path is about. But when you hear the gospel and you receive it, something happens to you. Now you find that you don't want to chase after all those things. You want to pursue one thing and his name is Jesus. You see, you want to know whether or not you're saved. I would ask you, what path are you on? Look around at your surroundings. There's only one path that leads to eternal life. Number four will be done. 
I want you to understand that the gate that is spoken of in this text is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ is the gate. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 10. It's one of my favorite verses in Scripture, John 10, uh, 9 and 10. Um, Let's read this together. John 10, starting in verse 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and they may have it to the full. There are two types of uh, sheep pens in biblical times. The first is the type that you'd see in a city. You went into Jerusalem and there were a lot of shepherds in Jerusalem. Uh, They would have a big city pen. Okay, and it was so big, it was so intricate. I mean, it was really intricate. That had different gates and doors, and and when you came in with your sheep, you know, come here, sheepy, sheepy, and they're like, ah, and you lead them to it. You go to the porter. That's the porter is the guy that works there full time. He is the shepherd, shepherd, and you bring your sheep to the porter and you check them in. They're like, here's Billy Bob, and there's Billy Joe, and there's Susan, and there's you know, because they had names, by the way. You called the sheep by name. That's how it worked, right? Jason's that dumb one in the back that doesn't know. That's, that's that guy, right? And so you call your sheep by name. Anyway, you, you hand off your sheep to the porter when you're in town. And then you go do your business. And then you would come back in and check in with the porter. And you would go in and you'd call out your sheep by name. And you'd take your sheep with you, right? That's a, that's a city pen. It's pretty complex. See, that's not really where the shepherds wanted to be with their sheep, though. You were really in the city when the weather wasn't good enough to be out in the country. See, where you wanted to be was out in the country where your sheep could be in pasture. And when you were out there, it wasn't a formal thing. When you were out there, these shepherds would take these rocks, a lot of them flat stones, and they would build it rock upon rock, stone upon stone, and they would build these... Uh, another name for other than sheep pen, I like to call them a sheep fold. It's a sheep fold. And it's just kind of either a semicircle or a square. And, uh, and yeah, look at it there. And see, it, it had one hole. Had one hole. You notice there is no door on this thing. They're kind of out in the country and, and you take your sheep out to pasture. And what you would do is you'd call them in. And, Come on, Billy Bob and, and Jimmy Joe and, you know, whatever. And Sue, get on in there. And, and you get all your sheep in. And once you get them in the fold, what, what the shepherd would then do. And I want you to get this. It's so cool. Then he would look at that opening and then he would just kind of wedge himself down there in between that opening. And this is where he would rest. You see, he was the gate. He would keep the sheep in and he would keep the wolves out. And it was his job. It was his job. He was the only door. He was the only entrance. No one could come in but by him. But by him. Jesus says, I am that gate. I'm that gate. There's two paths and there's two gates. And this narrow gate, guys, that narrow gate is Jesus Christ. He is the gate, right? He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except by me. Now, why can Jesus say that? Why does he need to say that? Let me ask you this. If Jesus wasn't God, could he have saved us from our sins? No. Right. If Jesus were just a really good guy, if he were just a regular man like you and me, and this regular man just happened to live a really good life and then die on the cross, would that have paid the debt for your sins? 
Absolutely not. Why? Because he wouldn't have been eternal. It couldn't have eternally paid for your sins, could it? No. Now, let me ask you this. If he wasn't really man, if he wasn't really man, could it have paid for your sins? No, because it would have had nothing to do with humanity. And so Jesus, the only one ever and will be who was fully God and fully man, came and lived a perfect life and died on the cross to pay for your sins. And that's why he can say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. I'm the gate. I'm the gate. If we study this passage, we've got to understand that Jesus Christ is the gate. Now, what do we do with that? Okay, two things will be done. Number one. I want to challenge you, uh, and I'm going to challenge you with Scripture this morning, okay? First, I want you to check your bags and examine your surroundings. We're going to talk about these two different paths. I want you to check your bags and examine your surroundings. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Make sure. (coughs) Excuse me. Examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Faith, test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Saying, check yourself out. So what does that look like? Again, what path am I on? Right? Has, has anything changed? Have I had to leave anything behind? Has the scenery changed? What about the crowds? Check yourselves, examine, examine, examine. Guys, I'm just going to tell you, right? We've walked through this this sermon, right? What does Jesus say about worry? So I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. Let me ask you, can you carry that big bag of worry down this narrow path? You can't do it, can you? Right? It's just not possible, right? What, 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 What about hatred? Can you do that? Can, can you hate somebody? We've covered that one. It's murder, right? Can, can I walk around carrying all my guns and ammo ready to shoot somebody down this little narrow path? Now listen, I'm not saying don't own a gun. I'm just saying, listen, you, you follow me, right? You, you can't have that anger in your heart and walk down this path. You can't be right with God and walk down that path, right? So check, check your bags, check your surroundings. That's number one, okay? Make sure you're not on the wrong path. Because again, Jesus, remember Jesus said, many will say unto me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not drive out demons and prophesy in your name? And I'll say, away from me, I knew you not. You know what that comes down to? That comes down to many people will hear the gospel but never change paths. Many people, many people will hear the gospel. And listen, I even believe they, they will have some kind of emotional experience. They, they, they feel broken because of their sin. They cry, oh, I'm such a sinner. Jesus heard the gospel. But that's where it stops. It stops with crying. It stops with crying. Repentance doesn't stop with tears, friends. Repentance results in genuine change. You're going the other direction. All right? You've got to be on a different path. Okay, so here's what you do if you're not. If you're not. If you go through this whole thing and and, and you find, you look at your life, you go, okay, I heard the gospel. There's an emotional response, but I'm looking and it looks to me like I'm still on the same path. So what do you do? Okay, ready? You enter in. You enter in, and and how do you enter in? You enter in through the gate, that is through Jesus Christ. How do I do that? Through faith in Jesus Christ, right? Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you'll believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the gospel. So you enter in. How do you enter in? Through Christ and through Christ alone. And and check this out, I want to give you some benefits to this, because it's really, really cool. When When you enter in and you choose just Jesus... 
right? Some, some amazing things happen. There's three promises that will happen. Uh, John chapter 10, again, verse 9. Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He'll come in and go out and he'll find pasture. Three promises that will happen here. Number one, he'll be saved. We're talking about eterna, eternally, okay? He'll be saved for eternity. Salvation is found only in Jesus, only by passing through him, okay? I'm the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So, so first we find salvation there, okay? Number two, we find security there. In Jesus, we're safe. You notice what he says? He says, you'll be able to go in and come out. Does that mean you get to go into the, to go to the wide road and back to the narrow? That's not what it means. What is he talking about? He's talking about freedom. There's freedom in Christ, guys. Do you know what happens when I sin as, as somebody that's been saved by Jesus? You know what happens? God forgives me. Do I go to hell because I made a mistake? No. I'm eternally secure. Isn't that awesome? I'm probably the only sinner here. I'm sure the rest of you are saints, right? I don't know about you, but I need this kind of safety. I need this kind of net, brother, right? Because by the grace of God, so what happens when I sin? I just confess it to Him. I'm forgiven. He purifies me of all unrighteousness. makes me as if I had never sinned before. It's awesome. The last thing He does, oh, and this is great. I'm satisfied. He takes me out to pasture. That's what it says in John 10, 9. The good shepherd takes me out to green pasture. Listen, I used to think that I knew what I needed in life until I met Jesus. And he took me to what was real pasture. You know what I'm saying? Right? You, guys, you know, some of you have been there, right? You thought you were living in the high grass, right? You thought, oh my goodness, look at my yard. It's so gorgeous. And you met Jesus and realized it was a bunch of weeds. Right. All of a sudden you wait a second. Now, now, now I'm walking on this alfalfa turfy stuff over here. I mean, this is really green. That stuff I had looked like my front yard does now. You find real pasture with Jesus. You find real meaning. You find real satisfaction. That's what you can find in Christ and in Christ alone. All right. You guys.